Fishing like a local isn't just about catching fish. It's about connecting with the environment and the people who call it home. It's about hearing the stories and traditions that have been passed down for generations and sharing unforgettable moments with the people you meet along the way. Fishing like a local is having an experience that stays with you forever. And with Fishing Booker, you can experience it too, no matter where you are. Discover your next adventure on Fishing Booker. This upcoming concert season will be all about the boots, and Tecovis is your stop for the best in Western style. Tecovis has seasonal and limited edition offerings this spring and summer, including men's and women's boots, apparel, hats, bags, and more. All Tecovis boots are made by hand in a time-honored tradition with timeless styles that are always on trend. And Tecovis has first wear comfort with little to no break-in period. It's hard to find this level of comfort paired with this level of style. Stop by your local Tacova store, have a complimentary drink or two, that's WCB style, and shop new styles. The smell of fresh leather and friendly staff are at your service. Many stores even have leather custom branding to make your boots truly personalized. And with regular live music and events, there's no in-store experience like it. If you can't make it into a store, just visit tecovas.com. That's T-E-C-O-V-A-S.com. They offer free shipping on all boots, as well as free returns and exchanges, and ship right to your door. Go to tecovis.com and find your new favorite pair of boots today. Hey everybody, welcome back to this week's show here at Impact Outdoors Podcast. and We've got a great show today, um, just like all the rest of them, but today is a little special. Um, we're going to be talking to my friends Seamus Warren and Chris Gieb from the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation and um, really touching on, on what their organization is all about and, and how the sport of fishing is, is helping them achieve their, their mission and their goals to help provide less toxic treatments for kids with cancer. And I've gotten to know these guys the last three plus years and, and was fortunate enough to help with the tournament they did here in Galveston this last fall. And uh, it's a tremendous organization. They do so much good and, and are really making you know huge strides and um, funding research that is turning into ways to battle cancer in a more effective way for these kids. Um, and they'll, they'll tell you more about, you know, the, the issues with um, radiation and different medications and stuff that the kids are using and, and all that. But um, and it's really, you know, uh, kind of wanted to do on this show, kind of help get the word out about them and and provide some some ways that you can give back um in your own way maybe it's not through fishing maybe it's through something else through walking or running or or drinking a craft beer from a place that's that's helping them out on some of their other other uh ventures but um you know this is a great great episode i'm so glad that um we were able to get them on the show and uh, looking forward to another great tournament here this fall down in Galveston. And I'm hoping to be able to go to their one in Tampa in October. So, anyway, stay tuned. Um, it's going to be another great episode. And hopefully you'll get something out of it. And maybe, just maybe, you'll like to help out with their mission. So, all right, here we go. 
All right. Well, welcome back to the show today. Um, man, we're uh, super honored to have my good pals Seamus and Chris from National Pediatric Cancer Foundation on the show today. Gentlemen, how are you guys doing? Doing good, Derek. Thanks for having us, man. Doing good, Derek. Man. Yeah, man. Thanks for y'all taking time to be on today. And uh, um, so the National Pediatric Cancer Foundation, so I'm, you know, I kind of found out about this, I don't know, probably three or four years ago. Um and uh, was really interested in getting involved and and, and uh, was able to participate in one of y'all's events last year. But I'd really like, you know, for the listeners, kind of, Seamus, if you don't mind, kind of introduce yourself and just let us know a little bit about the, the foundation and what you guys are all about to start off with. Absolutely, yeah. So um, we were founded uh, in 1991 uh, as the Pediatric Cancer Foundation in, in Tampa, Florida. And uh, it was kind of a, a cool story. Um, two moms met in the pediatric oncology office as both of their daughters were going through uh, treatment for cancer. And both of them got to talking about how frustrated they were with the lack of options and information and research and uh, whatnot uh, when it comes to pediatric cancer. And uh, so uh, thankfully, both of the daughters survived and um, are grown women now, uh, one with her own child. And, um, but the mission continues. They, they formed the Pediatric Cancer Foundation in 1991 with its sole purpose of raising funds for uh, research and awareness and um, with the purpose of finding less toxic and more targeted treatments um, specifically for pediatric cancer. So uh, in 2016, we rebranded uh, and added the word national to our name and uh, expanded our scope to become a truly national uh, nonprofit. And we now receive funds from all 50 states. Um, so our scope has grown, but the mission has remained the same of, of uh, solely raising funds for, for pediatric cancer research. And, um, you know, some of the interesting statistics are that uh, 43 kids are diagnosed every day. Cancer is actually the number cause of death by disease in, in kids. And shockingly, of all the billions of dollars that are spent on uh, cancer research in this country, only 4% of that is, is directed towards pediatrics. So there's a, a huge gap in, in fundraising and, and, of course, a huge need uh, for more resources to to identify those less toxic and targeted treatments for kids. And what I mean by that, Derek, is, is you know, you, everybody knows somebody with cancer, right? So yep. Yep. You, you see what the treatments do, the chemotherapy and the radiation and all that. You see what that does to a grown-up, you know, a 40, 50, 60-year-old person that's going through treatment. Well, that same treatment is what they're putting into these little children, you know, uh, four, five, six-year-old babies. And if you can only imagine uh, the devastating effect it has on those bodies that are still developing and growing. And, uh, you know, if, if they are fortunate enough to survive the cancer and survive the treatment, uh, a large percentage of them, over 80% of them, go on to have some sort of lifelong um, debilitating 
malady as a result of that treatment, not not the cancer, but just that toxic treatment. So that's really why we exist is is to try to find that less toxic treatment for these for these kids. And um, I'm proud to be a part of this foundation. I've been here for uh, just over four years, and it's just amazing what I've seen uh, in the span of four years, not only in the scope of our growth, but um, just the 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 outlaying of support through people like you and, and others that that um, find our cause and are sympathetic to it and um, get even more and more involved the more they learn about um, pediatric cancer and, and um, get more inspired by uh, what they see and, and um, you know finding these 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 better treatments and cures so I'm excited to be a part of this foundation it's it's um, it's been a huge career shift. I was a financial advisor for 20 years and, and sort of went through the proverbial midlife crisis and just realized sort of spinning my wheels uh, as a stockbroker and um, came across this foundation and, and realized what an incredible opportunity it was to truly uh, make a difference by applying my background in, in sales um, to our development department. And I tell you, you know, the product that we sell, if you want to put it in those terms, kind of sells itself. We we, uh, we walk into a room and, and you can kind of do the, the mic by just saying pediatric cancer. You know, everybody gets it. Uh, and the hard part is getting in front of the right folks to show them how we do what we do differently and, and better and more efficiently. Um, we're, we're proud to say that we're actually the number one uh, cancer nonprofit in the country, um, as rated by Charity Navigator, when it comes to transparency and efficiency um, and being good st stewards of our donor's dollar. Um, 87 cents out of every dollar we take in goes directly towards our mission, which is an incredibly high percentage uh, when it comes to, uh, you know, giving, giving your dollar to uh, to a worthy nonprofit. So we're awful proud of that. And, and um Again, I'm just so appreciative to be on your your program here today and, and have the opportunity to, to educate and um, share our story a little bit. Yeah, that's awesome. And, you know, that's really important, you know, because there are so many organizations that are looking for funding and and being able to know that it's going to the right place or a good cause and that the money's being used for what you're intending it for, um, you know, like that's just paramount, you know, in these times right now, of course. So, um, but you know, the biggest thing with me that got me wanting to help out with the mission of this foundation so much is, you know, cancer's had a big impact on um, my wife's family's um, history and, and, uh, and mine too. And, and when you throw kids in the mix, I mean, it's just something different, you know, it really grabs your attention and finding out really what you guys were about and finding new drugs, you know, less toxic, you know, applications for the kids and stuff. And that's stuff that most people just never even think about when they're talking about cancer and, and treatments and stuff. I mean, I never thought about that before I met you guys. So um, thank you guys so much for what you're doing because it is tremendously important and I'm glad to help out what little bit I can. So, but, uh, but I know Chris is on here, and um, Chris, uh, 
you know, kind of let us know a little bit kind of about how you got involved and, and what your role is at the foundation right now. Yeah, sounds good, Derek. Thanks for having us on again. And um, I got involved actually right about three years ago. Um, I met our CEO actually at a fishing event in South Carolina, the FLW Forest Cup. We had uh, my previous life. We had a business and we had a booth set up there and we're just hanging out, talking to everyone, walking through and uh, David Frazier walked by our CEO and we kind of started talking and realized we both were located in Tampa and our product had a lot to do with the fishing industry. And he said, well, you know, the NPCF, we have this cool program called Fishing Funds the Cure. Um, You guys should be involved with it, too. So I kind of jumped on board and uh, probably a week after that. uh, fishing event that we were at, I met with David and Seamus and a couple others from the team and um, started donating some product and helping out, jumped on the committee kind of to help the fishing programs that they had here. Um, started learning more and more, uh, just like you, just, oh, wow, I didn't know X, Y, Z. That I didn't know this yeah. was out there. I didn't know um, the deficiencies out there with the funding from the government and everything else. So I really jumped on board and really thought it was a great um organization and through all that i kind of uh, piloted what we now have the called the all-american tournament um i said hey you know we we want to start a fishing tournament as this company um and then we want to donate all the proceeds to mpcf so i worked with them to create this cool online virtual tournament that we piloted just sort of in the tampa area uh the first year and then with some of our partnerships uh, we were we were able to expand that to this nationwide virtual tournament that is both fresh and saltwater, and it's just a fun way to get uh, folks involved. To where you know you could be in California or Florida or New York or Wyoming, and we carefully picked the species to where wherever you are, there's at least probably three or four species that you can fish for. Um, and then obviously in some of the states that are coastal, you know you have even more with with a salt and fresh combination, but just a fun way to do it you know it's 25 bucks to join and um we have some cool prizes from some of our partners um as giveaways and um it's just a way to get involved for the fishing community out there to to learn more about pediatric cancer research and really touch a different segment of the population that maybe we haven't touched before through fishing funds the cure so um that's kind of what reeled me in no pun intended and uh I, i started getting more and more involved and you know, I, as I learned more and saw the growth from, you know, like Seamus mentioned, they went from sort of a, a West Coast Florida charity to a national entity. And, you know, we have 26 partner hospitals now across the country doing various trials. And, and um, uh, you know, when I jumped on, I, I said, hey, you guys are growing quick. And, you know, my background is sales and marketing. And um, I think I can help your team out a lot if, you know, if the opportunity arises. And, uh, just so happened they were kind of thinking the same thing. Um, so it wasn't too long after that I was able to kind of jump on full board with them and take what, you know, uh, my experiences and the fishing program they already had here and continue to grow, you know, what we were doing from our, our virtual tournament to our live tournaments that we have that we're expanding as well. So I'm excited to be here. I think there's a, so much more that we can do um, and partners like yourself and, and others helping us out will will help that. Uh, go a long way. Yeah, and and I got signed up this year for the, that tournament. And uh, I was telling you guys before, I haven't been able to to go really fishing for myself that much this year. I've been so busy taking everybody else. But uh, 
Um, I was kind of looking through, man, and there, I mean, there have been tons of fish logged in for that tournament. And it's cool to see how many people are actually getting out and, and submitting catches and stuff. And, and the online tournament formats, I mean, the, the portal and everything you guys use, I mean, it's super easy, you know, to do that now. So it's, um, it's really cool, Derek, because, you know, unlike the traditional tournament where you, you would go to a boat ramp or a, a dock somewhere and on a particular day, uh, you know, you never know if you're going to have bad weather or, or something else comes up and you're not able to fish. I mean, this this tournament runs six months long. We launched it, uh, I'm sorry, April the 15th, and it runs through the end of September. So um, we intentionally designed it to where you could fish from anywhere at any time, a day or night. Uh, you can fish from a dock or a seawall or a boat or a beach or a river, wherever wherever the water is and there's fish in it. Um, odds are you can catch one or more of these species in this tournament. So we made it as easy as possible. And, and the, uh, the app that we use, um, it's a catch and release type thing. You just snap a photo of your catch and, and it goes into the, the database and the leaderboard. And at the end of those six months, we, we announce the winners for each of those 10 different species. That's cool, man. And you know, we talk about this all the time, but fishing, you know, just brings people together. <laughs> I mean, who doesn't like to fish, you know, <laughs> or just be outside in general. And, uh, so that's really cool that y'all are doing that. So, so what do you think? One thing when when you guys were talking, I was like, "What do you think the two mothers that started this program think now about how big this has gotten, how much reach and impact y'all are having?" And and uh, I mean, that's got to feel really special to them, you know, to have have started something like this and see it grow to where it is today. Well, I can I can tell you. Um for for truth that that uh, one of the moms is still intimately involved with us she's still an wow. That's really good. And she helps to direct um where some of the funding goes for the, the research that we do and um it's it's amazing whenever i'm in a meeting with her uh even if i'm not part of that meeting directly but just to sit there and watch her face uh as we talk about the science and the breakthroughs that we're, we're funding and um, all the work that she's, uh, that she, she created, you know, just by her vision of, of, um, wanting to do more. Um, she, she is blown away. Um, Melissa, um, Helms is her name and, and she, she just, in, in talking with her, she's, she's stunned. You know, she never in a million years thought that her little idea would, um, grow to be what it is today, uh, almost 30 years later. Um, and uh, she's certainly proud of it. And I'll tell you, there a cool story that, that I witnessed um, last year. We, uh, we, we have a tournament here in the Tampa Bay area that we've run for the past 22 years. It's sort of our signature fishing event. And she comes out almost every year for it. Um, and last year I was uh, on Friday. We, have, we host a kids fishing derby, and, and most of the kids uh, are kids that are currently going through treatment for cancer. Mm-hmm. We bring them out, and we provide them rods and reels and bait and the whole nine yards. And, and uh, uh, they come out and fish on the dock for an hour or so. So Melissa has come out and uh, fished in it for a number of years and, and observed it for a number of years. But last year... Um, for the very first time, I, I saw her sitting out there with her grand 
car. And it struck me that that little girl who couldn't have been more than five or six years old wouldn't have been there if her mother hadn't survived. And, and her yeah, mother right. was the daughter of Melissa who um, caused this whole thing to begin in the first place. So um, it was just a cool connection. And, and, you know, I didn't say anything and we didn't make a big deal out of it because she was just there to, to have fun. But it really struck me um, looking at that little girl sitting there with her grandmother. And, you know, one day that little girl's going to learn, you know, what her grandmother did. And of course, what her mother went through um, is just a really, it was a touching moment, really, really a powerful statement to um, what we're doing. And of course the need to do more. So just one of those cool little side stories that I, I have observed in my couple of years with this foundation. Yeah, yeah. it just kind of all comes full circle. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah, Derek, and I'll, I'll piggyback off that a little bit to um, what one thing that really makes us different as a foundation is the research that we do. And so we uh, we have a thing every year uh, where we have all of our doctors and researchers come in. It's called our, our annual summit where they really come in and they just they think tank a lot of stuff about what they're doing, what they want to do. What are new ideas? And um, what people don't realize is, you know, right now there's about, you know, they say that about 80% of, of children with cancer have a, a survival rate of, of five years or more, but no one talks about the other 20%. And that's a big focus of ours is, you know, you've you know you've seen a lot of the, you know, common uh, cancers that are starting, you know, they have some decent, uh, you know, remedies for it, some decent um you know, therapy for it. But that 20%, mm -hmm. the more aggressive cancers, there's really, there's nothing for it yet. And so that's what we focus the majority of our attention on. And, and to, to Seamus's point, Melissa's a huge proponent of that. When she sits in those meetings um, and talks to all of our doctors and researchers, it's, it's what can we do differently? What are people not doing? How can we be the one to figure out XYZ? And she's been a part of that since the beginning and continues to to come in with the passion and emotion that needs, you know, to get everyone going. And, you know, I think um, us as a foundation, I mean, to have her there, knowing that she, this was her idea in the beginning and then, you know, 20 some odd years later, she's still as passionate as she was uh, day one is pretty amazing to see and, and really keeps us going. So it's really cool to see that and, and, um, and to see the changes that she's making with her leadership and, and being a part of what we're doing still. Yeah, that's incredible, man. And um, it's good to know, you know, that that leadership's been there through the whole time and, and, uh, and just that it just keeps growing. So cool stuff for sure. Um, so so Seamus mentioned the, the tournament in Tampa. It's been going on for 20 plus years. So kind of talk about that and how that got started and, and um, like how big is that tournament? I know it's a big deal. but Yeah, yeah. So we um... – like I said, we've been running it for the past 22 years. And, you know, prior to us um, going national, for lack of a better term, you know, we it was a, um, a Tampa Bay area focused um, fundraiser. But, um, you know, it's just a traditional two day inshore tournament here. Here we catch, uh, you know, redfish, trout and, and snook, uh, unlike over in your neck of the woods where flounders um, a little prevalent. Um, 
and that's that's where was the genesis of this tournament. And and really, we when we were just a, a Tampa area focused nonprofit, we um, that this was one of our signature events. As uh, it was called the Grand Slam tournament, and um, it had a, a sports celebrity um, focus to it, where you know you could go fishing with a pro baseball player or football player or something like that. And mm-hmm. so, uh, and, and that has evolved over the years, but, um, as of last year, I mean, it, it, it has turned into a huge, huge tournament. It's like I said, it's a two day tournament. Um, and we, let's see last year, help me remember, Chris, I think we floated 62 or 63 professionally guided boats. Uh, so it was a guide plus three anglers. Um, and I think we were close to raising a half a million dollars over the course of the weekend uh, sponsorships. And, and of course, we do a live and a silent auction uh, component to it and a big dinner and stuff like that. So it, it's, it's pretty powerful when you when you put the numbers together. We we, uh, we, we bring in a lot of large corporate sponsors for that um, for that weekend. And interestingly enough, I mean, uh, you know, as we as we shifted um to more of a national um, platform, one of the um, early initiatives was to expand that model into other markets. And um, so Galveston was really our first foray uh, outside of the Tampa Bay area when it comes to fishing, uh, aside from the All-American Virtual Tournament. Yeah. We were there last November for the first time and sort of dipped our toe in the water, so to speak, and did a, a little bit of a scaled down version of that Grand Slam model with a one day uh, tournament out of, out of Moody Gardens um, this past November. And um, I'm, I'm proud to say we're coming back again. We'll be back there uh, November the 14th and we're actively recruiting to make that event bigger. And, uh, you know, with the goal of, of uh, recreating that Grand Slam tournament model to, to make it a, another half million dollar event here. Hopefully quicker than 22 years, but <laughs> we'll, we'll get there with the help of folks like you. Well, it was it was a lot of fun last year, and I'm just glad we had good weather for it. So um, I think pretty much everybody caught fish and, and uh, you know, fishing out of Moody Gardens. If you've never heard of that place, look it up on the Internet, and uh, um, it's pretty pretty incredible uh, facility. It's like half – amusement park half resort and and uh, conference center and stuff and uh, they've got everything you can think of right there so and it's right on the water so it's a beautiful location and, and uh, we was so glad to have you guys over here for that and and um, and get everybody out fishing so um i think i think my team that i had out man we actually we did pretty good i think we we they took home a few uh, trophies and stuff at the end of the day so they were real happy about that catching some big reds and flounder and stuff. So I wish we had more snook over here. We've got them here, but not like over there. So, mm-hmm. But, uh, you know, I fished in Tampa um, probably the last four years in Tampa mm-hmm. Bay, usually right before I cast. And then we'll come over there and go fishing with my buddy Chris Camps over there. And, and uh, man, y'all got some snook. Let me tell you, there is no shortage of snook over there. <laughs> no shortage of snook, and and we get a pretty good tarpon run. Uh, yeah, there's a lot of tarpon. I I'm not as as uh, I've hooked a couple over there, but I have not yet to get one to the boat. But uh, 
They're a lot of work. <laughs> but uh, yeah, we didn't get to go this summer, obviously. So, but um, I'm hoping, hopefully, um, if it works out, man, I'm hoping I can get over there for the for y'all's event in Tampa this year. So, uh, our door is open, Derek. You're welcome. Uh, so. And I tell you, you know this this uh, pandemic mess has certainly messed up a lot of people's, well, pretty much everybody's lives in one one form or another, and that's one we're so excited about this this fishing engagement because you know by uh by design you know you get out on a boat on the water and i can't think of a, a more socially distant place to be than you know in a bay somewhere or out on the water fishing uh, yeah absolutely it's, it's um it's exciting because i think people are are looking for things to do and itching for things to do that are still uh safe and and uh, don't cause uh any any panic anywhere so um, come get out on the water with us you know i mean and and you know combine that with supporting a good cause good grief let's go <laughs> yep yep and um i know that uh you know my business my charter business was shut down for a couple months because of it and and uh, I mean, people were real apprehensive but some people you know started going out and i just i started noticing after about four weeks of the shutdown um, just being over working on my work boat and stuff and, and being on, on the water myself and the number of people, just the sheer number of people out on the water. I mean, it was like 4th of July every day of the week, mm-hmm. you know, because everybody was out on their boats. Exactly what you're saying. You know, they're so distancing out by themselves on the water, fishing and having fun. And, uh, man, I have uh, the charter fishing scene over here has just exploded. I mean, you know, a lot of corporate events were canceled and stuff, tournaments and, and such in the first part of the year. And, and um, I think people realize what better, like you said, what better way to do it than get out on the water. So everybody was looking to book trips and get out. And now the tournaments are all back and, and going strong. And, mm-hmm. and I can't wait for November. Yeah. And that's and that same to that same point, you know, that's why we're so excited about our fishing tournament here in Tampa. And, and then in Galveston is, you know, a lot of these companies, you know, they've been working remotely for the most part since COVID hit and some are back or some are back part time or whatever, but they haven't been able to do their normal, you know, development work for their clients. They haven't been able to do their normal kind of executive, you know, type retreats or whatever else. And that's kind of what our tournaments provide is that opportunity to go fishing with a, a you know, great charter captain in whatever area like yourself and uh, be able to go out and either entertain clients or, um, you know, bring out your executive team for a retreat that you haven't been able to do for four or five months. And I think this is a great time for us to really push it. And I think there's a lot of businesses and, and individuals out there that are, are going to be chomping at the bit to be a part of it. So um, that's what we're excited about is, is be able to provide an opportunity uh, for companies to come out there, get on the water, you know, do something good for a good cause and then obviously work it into their business strategy and how, how does that work for them? And, and, you know, like we said, you know, you're on a boat with a couple people that, you know, in the middle of the bay, um, you can be a social distance as you want. Um, so hopefully, you know, businesses will see that jump on board and, and continue to grow our tournaments, you know, whether it's here on the, on the East coast of, of the Gulf or there on the West coast where you are. Yeah. Yep. So, yeah, I can't wait, man. I think it's going to take off over here in a big way. And, uh, like I said, happy to be a part of it. And, and, um, so I know, you know, we talked a lot about the, the fishing side and, um, 
y'all have got a lot of other ways for people to get involved, Chris. And what are some of the things that you've been working on lately, you know, to kind of spearhead some of that? Yeah. So uh, two of the bigger programs that, that I'm putting together is, you know, one, we, we have a walk program where we were doing live, you know, walks as you've seen a hundred times from, from many different charities, um, which we had to postpone due to COVID. Um, so we designed a virtual model for that. Um, uh, so that's going on right now through the end of September. Um, we just call it the virtual walk, walk, run and roll. So you can walk, you can, you can run if you're a, a avid runner, you can ride a bike, you can roll around, you know, on your rollerblades or, you know, if you're, you know, uh, in a wheelchair, be a part of it, however you want. And we're just trying to engage people anywhere in the country to do it. We, um, we, we did a last minute pivot in April when we had to cancel two of our spring events and threw together this virtual online walk. We had no idea what we were doing yet, never did a virtual walk before, but we ended up with uh, almost 500 participants from 35 different states to be a part of it, um, which was really cool. And uh, we were hoping to be able to to do our live events, you know, this fall, but with everything, we kind of just scrapped that and said, well, let's do another virtual event and, and get behind it and start promoting it. Um, so starting next week, we're going to really start the hard promotion for it to where, you know, any, you know, company, any individual, any association can be a part of it. Uh, sign up a team, get as many people you can to, to join it, and then they can walk wherever they are. So if it's, you know, if you're just if you're stuck at home working remotely, sign up your family and, and walk around the neighborhood and, and send us a picture, post on social media that you're walking to support these 43 kids a day that are diagnosed with cancer. Um, if you're a company, it could be an employee engagement opportunity. It could be, you know, uh, you know, get your employees to sign up. And maybe if they do, they're entered to win, you know, something internal incentive um, like that. So we're really trying to figure out a way to get virtual with some of our things, uh, engage individuals as well as companies in, in doing so. Um, and so that's kind of our, our walking funds, the cure program uh, as of now until we can do live events again. Uh, and then the other one I'm excited about is our, uh, expansion of our brewing funds the cure program, which is we started it uh, a few years ago with a local. Uh, it's a national name with Cigar City Brewing Company, but a local brewery right down the street from us jumped on board and started doing things with us uh, from events in their tap room uh, to other fundraising opportunities. Uh, and then one day just said, "Hey, I think Seamus was with them, uh, and they just said, "Hey, uh, we can make a beer for you guys if you want." And that kind of started this rising hope beer that we have now to where we took it from a Tampa release from one brewery um, to now we have it available for one brewery in every state to make this rising hope beer in September. Um, and so we're working on that really hard right now to get all 50 states on board. And we have, you yeah. know, probably 25 or 30 signed up now um, in Texas. We got one in Dallas called Deep Ellum. Uh, they're going to be doing it there for, for your Texas listeners. But um we're really excited about that program. We've been able to raise a lot of funds and, and awareness through that. Um, and then on top of beer, we're, we're adding coffee to the mix in the brewing side of things. So we have a coffee company that's launching a bag for us that they're going to donate a large percentage of all the sales to us. So uh, the beer, the coffee, the walks, you know, we have so many different programs here for, you know, really anyone out there that wants to support pediatric cancer research, you know, whether they like to fish whether they, you know, just want to participate by walking. We have a fashion program. 
Uh, we have a bunch of new programs like music and, and, uh, you know, we have a cut and color. We have, I think, 13 different programs. So if you want to get involved, there's something that you're interested in that you could get involved with us. And, you know, just go into our website, uh, nationalpcf.org. You know, you can find some way to get involved that is something that you would like to do. Uh, so we're, we try to spread it out so we can touch different demographics, different people, different companies all around the country and, and get them involved in something that makes sense for them. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady, a Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. Yeah. And to tag on to that, Chris, I mean, if if uh, if you go onto our website and you, and you actually don't find something that um, – Tickle your fancy. We have a, a, a DIY program, which stands for design it yourself. So we've actually had um, really cool things that we haven't ever thought of before uh, sent in to us by um, just people all over the country that, that um, have done something in their own neck of the woods. My favorite one was uh, two or three years ago. There was a young man who was 12 or 13 years old that, um, sent us a check for, it was like a thousand dollars or something, but he challenged all his friends to eat chocolate covered crickets and uh, raise money, you know, sponsor me. I'll give me $5 and I'll eat this chocolate covered cricket. And he raised eight or nine hundred dollars, thousand dollars, something like that. So I don't know what you're going to see, but um, it's pretty cool. And, and we, we've been very good at coming up with unique ways to, to fundraise. Um, especially in these more recent times, but it never ceases to amaze me uh, the innovative way that, that people come up with to, to raise money for us. And, you know, the common denominator in all of them is, again, they, they've all been touched by cancer in one way or another, whether it's a neighbor or a grandchild or uh, one of their own children or, you know, co-workers, child, that has been touched by cancer and, and um, it's, it's very inspiring to see the selflessness of people and, and the motivation of people uh, that, that are, are inspired to give to us um, because of their own personal stories. Yeah. Yeah. I met, um, I had the privilege of taking a, a family out last fall through um, another organization over here and, and I uh, got to meet a kid who was battling cancer and, you know, we spent all morning on the boat and the uh, mission wasn't that great. It was really cold, but we had a great time, but man, just the resiliency of these kids battling this, this disease just, just really, I mean, just really takes you back, man. I mean, just and the parents, I mean, you know, they gotta be strong for the kids and everything. I don't know how they do it. Um, <laughs> I know it's not easy. It can't be. But no, you're you're right. I mean, I, and I tell you that that is the, you know, everybody's got a, a story about their own jobs, and and um, you know, to be perfectly blunt, you know, by the time we interact with the kids that we do, they they have already been through all the traditional, right, 
methods of treatment, you know, the chemotherapy, the radiation, one of the very few drugs that applies to them. So by the time they come to us, more often than not, they're they're kind of at their last stop, you know. So if they qualify for one of our clinical trials or something, it, it's, um, you know, after that, there's really not much else that can be done, which, again, is why we're fighting so hard to, to raise more money so that we can provide them with more options. Yeah. But um, I remember early on into my tenure here, um, a young man that, that uh, I had gotten to know through uh, one of our engagements and he was nine years old and he was going on to his fourth bout with brain cancer. He survived it three times and um, back uh, relapsed and um, he didn't, he didn't make it through the fourth time. And um, I went home that night and I was a wreck. I mean, I'm a, I'm a parent, I've got two young kids and, and uh, to your point, I don't know how a, a, a father can can do that, but unimaginable. Yeah, I confided in my wife. I said, "I think I made a huge mistake. I don't know if I can do this job like that. So this is brutal." And to her credit, she she said, "You, know, you need to basically uh, suit up and get up and and get back to work so that that doesn't happen again." And uh, I said, "You know what? You're right. It's this is going to motivate me to go back to work." tomorrow and the next day and try even harder so that, you know, selfishly, I don't have to go through that again, let alone a child or a parent and um, mm-hmm. a big motivator, you know? Yeah. And uh, it, it's, it's cool. I, I, I look at some of those pictures from, from that trip last year and uh, man, just remember, you know, the smiles on that boy's face and uh, just how much fun he had just being on the water, not having to think about it, deal with anything. Mm-hmm. And just be out with his brothers and sisters and mom and dad and have fun. And uh, we're supposed to um, get back out with him when the weather's a little bit better. So I'm hoping we can make that happen this fall. But uh, it's been a little hindered by this coronavirus stuff, you know, with, with everything going on. So, well, you, you hit it on the head, Derek. I mean, how blessed are we to be able to provide a moment or two to that young man? where he's not thinking about his next chemo treatment or radiation treatment, but he's just out there being a kid catching the fish. I mean, how, how blessed are we that we were able to provide, you know, and his, and his family. Yep. Yeah. And, um, and y'all had um, a family at the tournament last year. And I just remember listening, you know, to the mother's story about her son and stuff. And, and um, it was, it was cool getting to meet them and, and, you know, be there to support them last year. And, and, um, um, like I said, hopefully, hopefully the, the tournament here in Galveston will take off and, and we can help a bunch more kids out here in Texas. So, but, um, really, and I'll tell you a quick story about, about little Jake. He, he's the young man you're, you're talking about. And we actually mm-hmm. met him, uh, in Dallas when we hosted a fashion show there. So our fashion shows, um, are exactly what they sound like, except they feature kids that are currently battling cancer. And we, dress them up in traditional fashion forward clothing. But then the coolest part about those things is we ask them what they want to be when they grow up and we dress them up in a, in an outfit based on uh-huh. what their dream is. And then we pair them with somebody in that profession. So um, little Jake wanted to be a plumber of all things, which is awesome. And yeah, I dressed them up with a little, you know, overalls and a plumber's helper and, and then called a local plumbing company um, in Dallas there and had a, 
a bunch of their plumbers walk down the runway with them. And, uh, and that was really a cool moving thing. So when, uh, when we hosted the fishing tournament there in November, um, we invited him to come and, and fish with us and then, um, invited that plumbing company to go fishing with him as well. So just a, just a cool engagement, just a cool experience. And, uh, again, to, to be able to put a smile on his face and, um, let him be around his heroes, uh, and, and, uh, give him hope that he can beat this thing and, and grow up to be whatever he wants to be. Um, it's a, it's a pretty cool, cool job we get to do. Yeah, that was that was cool getting to 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 hear his uh, story and everything down there last year. So, but um, are y'all um, hope to do it again? I know that they're on hold right now, but are y'all planning to read to do those again? Hopefully next year, the the fashion shows. We are, yeah. We um, we've had to uh, postpone a number of them. Um, you know, when you think about these these kids that are an integral part of those shows, um, because of the treatments they're going through, they're obviously uh, their immune system's already compromised. So the last thing we want to do is to expose them to a, a big group of people. Uh, so yeah, we're we're postponing those things until uh, a safer time. Um, and we're also trying to figure out ways to to perhaps do them in a modified environment where it is safe for them, whether it's um, something that we can do uh, like a live TV broadcast type thing in a, in a safe environment, you know, where mm -hmm. people can tune in and still see it and donate to, uh, to it. But we're exploring all those options right now. But, but yeah, we're, we're certainly um, hoping to, to get back uh, in the so to speak, and and do these things live again sooner rather than later. Yep, everybody is. So, um, yeah, I know last year y'all got. Um, I, can't, I think it was late last year, or maybe it was first this year, um, that y'all had some involvement with Kathy Ireland too, right? Yeah, and I'll let Chris talk to that because he's he's uh, in dealing with the coffee side, and and she's actually got a pretty good gig uh, as a result of our engagement with coffee. But yeah, we, we're we're she's our national international spokesperson. So yeah, yeah, yeah. It's been great. We we've been looking for for a couple years to find the right person to sort of help be an ambassador for us um, that has that national and international appeal. Um, and obviously we're nonprofit. And so, you know, a lot of the people we talk to there, there usually is a, a big price tag that comes along with, you know, being a spokesperson for some organization, but to our right. point earlier, you know, we, we pride ourselves on our charity navigator rating and, and having the most, most, you know, go to our research as possible. And so we are not in the position to go out and pay a celebrity, a whole bunch of money to, you know, to talk about us. So we, we went through, you know, probably dozens of folks that were interested and she finally, you know, came along and was like, Hey, I'll, I'll do it. Um, because I want to do it and I want to help you guys out. And it was a perfect fit for us. So we were able to get her on board to help launch. And, and she's a part of kind of everything we do. And one thing that's really cool that she came up with, with our team is, you know, her, she has, she has a marketing company basically is what she does. And she has mm -hmm. licensing deals. She does marketing, uh, partnerships with, with thousands of companies throughout the world. And so she came up with this idea that, um, anyone that's a partner of us that we help introduce, um, she will give a percentage of their fee marketing fee back to the foundation as well. 
Um, and so one of the companies that is helping us launch the, the Brewing Funds the Cure coffee side of things is based here in, in St. Petersburg. And they actually um, have a deal going on as well uh, from a marketing standpoint. And so all the dollars that some of these companies are paying their team, you know, with their business, you know, uh, contracts, we're going to be, you know, reaping the benefits of that as well with our partnership with her. And uh, she's been great. And um, she's doing a, a lot of press releases coming up for us. And, you know, hopefully, you know, we'll see more about the National Pediatric Cancer on on, uh, you know, different television shows and, and radio shows that are more national, uh, just as an overall, you know, brand awareness for us. Um, so she's been great. And, and, you know, she's just really started with us this past year. And, she, and that summit I mentioned earlier, she, she attended that with the doctors and sort of introduced herself to all of our team. And uh, we're excited about where that's going to go. And, um, you know, for us, the awareness component of everything is huge. Um, you know, people just don't know about us everywhere and, and we don't have the, uh, the spending that, that, you know, you might see around with ads on TV everywhere. And, uh, every, every time you turn on your computer ads for XYZ charities, because, you know, we want to save as much money as we can for research. And so we really have that grassroots approach that we need, you know, partners like you guys and, um, partners like Kathy and, and all of, you know, any program that we have, we really focus on help us spread the awareness as much as possible because at the end of the day, if people know about us and learn about us, they're going to find ways to donate if, if that's their passion too. Um, and so we're, we try to do the most with less that we can. And sometimes it's a struggle, but other times it's very fulfilling to know that hey, look what we're able to do on the shoestring budget that we have um, for marketing and, and, you know, partnerships is, is the key to that. And, so we thank you, uh, obviously, on the fishing side and all the stuff you've been doing for us. And, um, you know, we just look to keep expanding that. And the opportunities for people to get involved are, are endless. And, um, you know, we just want people to want to, to do what, you know, spread the message about what we're doing. And, and at the end of the day, we can raise more money for research. Yeah. And uh, um, does she fish at all? You need to get her over here and, and uh, let's take her fishing. <laughs> <laughs> I'm not sure. I'm not sure how much of that might not be her, her forte. Um, but if but if that does become something, we will definitely have to get her out with Derek on the boat for sure. So, no, that's funny. Um, no, I thought that was pretty cool that she was she had gotten involved in stuff in uh, in such a big way, and uh, that's got to be a tremendous asset to you guys for uh, some global recognition and and getting some some more help with everything. So kudos to that. Um, no doubt about it. And I'll tell you, just, just like we've been talking about Derek, I mean, she, she's been personally touched by, by pediatric cancer when, when she was here last year for our, our research summit that, that Chris was talking about. Um, we were talking to her kind of backstage and turns out her daughter's best friend, uh, passed away from pediatric cancer at eight or nine years. And, uh, you know, so it just it's um, it seems like everybody you talk to has got some story or some connection with cancer. And again, it just it just drives home what we're doing. And, you know, Chris mentioned before um, our network of hospitals and, and I kind of wanted to expand on that if I might. Uh, you know, we, we are very unique in our space. Uh, of pediatric cancer research. I mean, there are others certainly that you've heard of that, that raise money for 
pediatric cancer. One of the ways that we differ from some of these other ones um, is we're very unique in the fact that by design, um, we require uh, an institute that we uh, give funding to, to share their research. So what I mean by that is, is, you know, if, if, um, you know, if, if of our 26 um, institutes that we fund right now, uh, if one of them is working on something they, that we're funding, uh, they're re required, uh, which they do at this research summit we do every year, to talk about what they're doing, uh, successes and failures. As a result of that model, um, a, f a number of things have, have come out of it. One, it, it decreases the redundancy. So, you know, they, they realize that if, uh, if a hospital in, in uh, Connecticut's working on a, uh, a particular drug or a trial, this, the, another one out in uh, Utah may not need to spend the money to do it because somebody else is already working on it. And the other thing that I've seen is the unique drug combinations that have been tested uh, as a result of this conversation. So I'll use an example. Um, I'm, a, I'm a type 2 diabetic, so I take a drug called metformin, which is a very common diabetes drug. We have a trial that, that we're currently running that uh, combines metformin with a traditional chemotherapy drug. And the theory is that we can combine those two things and decrease the dosage of the, the chemotherapy drug that is, that is put into the, the child because it's combined with metformin. It's still just as effective as far as treating the cancer, but it's less toxic because less of it is going into the child. Right but it sure is a heck of a lot better than giving them the full dose. Uh, and they, you know, they're less affected by the, the side effects and that, that drug combination never would have been discovered if it hadn't have been for our, uh, clinical research, uh, collaboration. So, I mean, you know, how cool is that, that, that just, just by design, the fact that we require these folks to talk to each other, they're coming up with these really cutting edge, groundbreaking drug therapies and combinations. I mean, it's, it's, it's amazing um, to see that at work. I wish everyone understood the value of transparency and communication. Yeah. It's going to change so much in this country, in this world. <laughs> you better believe it. I mean, it's ridiculous. Everybody <laughs> wants everything for themselves. And, um, yeah, you better believe it. Yeah. Yeah. So, Especially in the fishing world, because there there's no transparency or communication about fishing. Nobody wants to give up their spots or what they <laughs> fish on or anything. So, well, that's a really good analogy that I've never thought of. But you're right. I mean, if you can pry those numbers out of another fisherman's hand, you really accomplish something. <laughs> yeah, I had to. I had a buddy of mine, real quick side story that uh, um, he was telling me we were out fishing a month or two ago, and he was, uh, yeah, I sold one of my boats and. Uh, um, had he had people trying to buy his spots off his uh chart plotter and stuff before he sold the boat and I mean, he was getting offered a lot of money <laughs> and he <laughs> professionally bass fishing and stuff and and um and uh, you know he ended up having to clear everything you know off the boats before he sold it and i i forgot to do that to my last boat i just sold and luckily i sold it to a buddy but uh if i start rolling up on my spots and he's there every day we're gonna have some issues 
see your old see your old boat in your shadows. There, you know? yeah. So what are you doing here? So, um, so, so I know this show's really centered around the outdoors. You know, hunting, fishing, and getting families outside and stuff. And and um, I love the fishing aspect of what you guys are doing. But uh, did either one of you guys grow up? You know, in the out outdoors. I mean, did y'all do fishing or hunting or anything? Absolutely, I did. I, I know Chris did as well. But I I grew up uh, dove and quail hunting and deer hunting and turkey hunting and the whole nine yards. Uh, in addition to fishing, I mean, I think being a, a Florida Florida native like like Chris is as well, it's sort of um, at least back when we were kids, that was kind of part of the deal. Yeah. I don't know if it is so much anymore for for youngins, but um, but yeah, and, and it's funny you mentioned that, Derek. We're we're uh, kind of on our horizon. We, we're we're starting the development of um, the the placeholder is hunting fund secure. You know, take a shot at cancer or, or something like that. Um, awesome. Work out the kinks in that, but uh, I think I think it won't be too long before you see that initiative um, come across our bow. And so did you hunt, uh, I know you said turkey and that's like my favorite thing to hunt. Did you hunt, uh, Easterns or Osceolas or? We, mainly Osceolas. Yeah. Yeah. Spring gobbler season here. And, uh, uh, Chris grew up kind of in the, in the Tallahassee and, uh, East coast Jacksonville area. And, and, uh, um, uh, my, my whole family went to Florida state university before I jumped ship and went to Auburn, but, uh, <laughs> we went up there quite a bit to, to uh to hunt osceolas mainly nice yeah that's one thing i've still got to do i want to get an osceola so maybe we'll maybe we can get on a hunt together soon hey you, you come over here and, and catch some fish and and uh i'll get you back here and, and we'll do some some turkey hunting and uh it'll uh, be fun we can even do some duck hunting and well yeah you name it man we'll, we'll, we'll yeah see. i know everybody over here is getting the itch because dove season's right you know just a couple mm-hmm. of and teal season's getting ready to start and uh i'm gonna be really glad because the amount of boat traffic on the bay is gonna go down probably about 75 percent so but um but chris i know know, like shame to say i know you you've been outdoors a lot you know kind of what was your growing up like in the outdoors yeah you know one of my biggest regrets looking back is not uh doing as much as i should have you know you know middle school high school age um, I was very involved with sports at school. And so I had year round seasons of whether it was baseball or basketball or tennis. And so I did a little bit, always liked it. I just never put the time into it until I went to college over in Tallahassee. I started really getting into fishing and then I started getting into hunting, you know, more of a, at a later age, you know, 18, mm-hmm. 19. And I just fell in love with it right away and, and just got addicted to it like we all do. And, um, so I, my fishing, you know, in that Tallahassee area, it was great because we had a a bunch of great ponds and, and lakes up in Tallahassee. And then we were 25 minutes to the coast, you know, fishing, you know, your normal trout, redfish type stuff down there. And a bunch of my buddies in college, uh, were all a part of it. And my roommate had a boat, so we were on it all the time. And, um, and then being there, I got introduced to the hunting world, um, really with, all the quail hunting properties up there. Um, some friends of mine were involved with that. And so I fell in love with, you know, kind of the bird hunting. And then, um, it's funny because with the deer hunting, I like it, 
but I'm so ADD. I can't sit in a stand that long. <laughs> so I like, I, I enjoy it, but I, I just want to get my meat, you know, for the year. And then I'd rather do more of the social hunting, like the quail or duck or something where I'm with a group and, and we can chat a little bit as we're doing it just because I, I, I cannot sit still long enough to do yeah. deer hunting every single day. And I'm not skilled enough to, to get my bow and track them down. So I, I, I like the, the social hunting probably better. And then if I had to say, you know, one or the other, I'm definitely more the fisherman. I have a pole in my truck all the time. If I see a canal or, or a pond, I'm jumping out there and, and trying to catch a little bass in the tw- you know, 10, 15 minutes of free time I have on the way to where I'm going. So uh, that's kind of my outdoors, you know, love is, you know, I, I love the, the bass fishing. Um, but then there's nothing about better than being out on the salt water and um, kind of coming home and have that sticky feeling and, you know, cooler yeah. full of fish and, and everything like that. So unfortunately we have a lot of limitations here for redfish and snook and trout in the bay and, and right off the coast, you know, we had a bad red tide a couple of years ago. So we're pretty much shut down from keeping any inshore fish for a while um, around here, but you know, the, the sport of it is there and I think it's only going to help the fishery by limiting it. Um, so mm-hmm. we're seeing, we're seeing fish all over the place. And, you know, obviously we have a lot of charter captain friends here that participate in our tournament and you know, they're out there just killing it every day for their clients. And um, it's really cool to see. And the fishery down here is great. Just like you guys have over in Texas too. And um, my favorite thing about coming to Moody Gardens, you know, I always catch flounder by accident here in Florida. I never really, right. I never really target them. So Luckily, you know, we have, we always have a one or two backup boats for our tournaments, you know, and hopefully we don't have to use them, uh, because of engine failure or something like that. So about mid morning of our tournament in Texas, I just jumped on one of the backup guides boats and said, Hey, let's, I've never really targeted flounder. Can we run and just go try to catch a flounder real quick? And I thought it was cool how we were up, up in the Galveston kind of, uh, industrial district where it was 25, 30 feet deep right on the seawall. And we were literally nose to the wall, anchored up, like deep dropping for, for flounder right on the edges, yeah. which I've never seen before. And I thought it was pretty cool and fun. And there were just boats stacked up in those little canals everywhere. So uh, that was a really cool experience for me fishing for the first time over in Texas. Yeah, that tournament is scheduled in perfect alignment with our fall flounder run being in November is kind of the peak of it usually starts in October, but yeah, they stack up in that, in the area that you were referring to. And uh, if you live down here, you know where we're talking about, but, but um, um, deep water um, close to a pass is where they're going to be at. And uh, you know, we were lucky and we caught a few that day as well um, in the deeper water and some up shallow still close to that area. But um, flounder, Oh my gosh, there's nothing better than a flounder stuff with fresh, shrimp and some boudin and uh, throw it on the grill you already got me hungry over here so Good, man I'm, I'm getting hungry <laughs> well and Derek, oh didn't you, you caught one of the biggest redfish in our tournament last year too didn't you yeah yeah we uh um since it's a catch and release tournament you know that was kind of our our goal man was to get some length on the board so that's the first thing we went and did was go and went and and caught the tail end of the red drum spawn you know they're migrating in and out the passes to go offshore and spawn and uh so we got we got lucky there and caught a really nice red oh it was 43 44 inches or something like that so um but uh but yeah fun 
fun fun fishing that time of year. I love fishing in the wintertime over here. So, um, especially thinking about it right now, because it's like been 100, I think the heat index yesterday was like 116. And it is nasty out on the water. I mean, we were, we, we was out on a trip yesterday and even at six o'clock in the morning, it's still dark. It's, it's already 90, 90 plus degrees. And I'm sure it is over there too, you know? So, um, but, uh, my people both showed up wearing jeans. I couldn't believe it. I was like, I don't know how y'all aren't dying up there. <laughs> but, I bet uh, they were cut off by the end of the day. <laughs> yeah, almost. But, uh, they had fun. We caught a bunch of trout and uh, ran around the jetties and stuff and caught some mackerel and stuff out there. So they had a good trip. So, And we've had unbelievable, uh, really nice water this summer. Usually Galveston, you think Galveston, you think it's it's – Kind of dirty water and it's mostly just because the sediment you know it's just a, a muddy bottom not as mm-hmm. much here but uh man it has looked like bermuda over here for the past two months um, mm-hmm. and it's really been i mean postcard weather for for galveston so it's been fun taking people out and fishing you know in water that looks like florida so <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> so uh, we do but, we get a little spoiled over here and that's good to hear that's good to hear we'll uh, yeah. hopefully so, well, shoot, man. Well, guys, um, I really appreciate you guys being on the show and and, uh, and kind of telling us about this. And and hopefully some people will listen and, and find ways to get involved with you guys. Maybe we can get some more people signed up for our tournaments um, here in Galveston and Tampa. And, and uh, have, y'all, uh, have y'all got anything else you'd like to add or? Well, I'll just I'll just say thank you again. And uh, and yes, I mean, please, if you want to learn more about uh, the foundation uh, or or any of these events, the easiest thing to do is just go to nationalpcf.org. That's a, you know, pediatric cancer foundation, PCF, uh, for Galveston, it's nationalpcf.org slash Galveston. Uh, and you'll go straight to that, that webpage. Uh, and for the all American tournament, which still runs through the end of September, you can sign up right now for 25 bucks and, and fit anywhere in the country. And that's, uh, that's on that website too. So, um, you know, you can always find us on the web and, and call us if you have any questions or if you want to figure out another way to get involved or you want to involve your, your school or, or your workplace. Um, we've got all kinds of programs to uh, to accommodate you. And if if we haven't thought of it yet and you've got a great idea, we'd love to hear it. So uh, we, we um, again, I thank you, Derek, for having us. And I look forward to seeing you in November. And uh, and yeah, I don't know, Chris, is there anything else I missed? Yeah, I think one one other thing, too, is, you know, as we mentioned before, is, you know, we have our programs that we've created, but a big part of every program we have is that corporate involvement. So we look for companies that just want to help us promote or, you know, if it's a retail tech company, they could do a roundup campaign or they could do a specialty item that they're donating a percentage to. And all that combined helps grow the awareness of the specific program that we might have. And it also, you know, it's going to generate some some more funds as well for us. And it's something easy that companies can do with at checkout. Maybe it's just, would you like to add a dollar? So it doesn't even cost the company anything, but they can partner with us and just help promote what we're doing. Um, yeah. You know, if it's a fishing industry type, they can partner with fishing funds, the cure to raise funds and awareness. Or if it's a fashion type company or a beer type company or whatever it is, um, or something not even uh, related to any of our programs, they just want to raise awareness for the foundation. You know, that's kind of a a big model for us, especially with COVID and, you know, 
we would be lying if we say, you know, it hasn't hurt us. You know, about a third of our revenue is, is geared to these special events. So the more ways we can create awareness and, and fundraising without having to have, you know, an actual event location is what we're really trying to do. So we urge anyone out there that is involved with any kind of business um, to get involved with us. And, and I think we can do some really cool things together. Yeah. And uh, I know we still got, what, six, maybe seven weeks left of the All-American Tournament. So by gosh, I'm going to get out and get something registered for that. So, um, man, if you're listening, get up, get signed on to the tournament. It's only $25 and, um, and see if you can win one of these, uh, categories. So, um, and, and hopefully, like I said, hopefully I'll be over there and see you guys in October. I'm trying to talk to my wife, see if we can um, figure a way to do it. I need to get over there and see a bunch of people anyway. So it'd be a good excuse to get over there. So, um, well, gentlemen, thanks again for being on and, um, look forward to seeing you guys this fall. Thank you, Derek. I appreciate you having us. Sounds good, brother. We appreciate it. All right. right. Appreciate it. Thanks for being on again. All right. right. Well, that's it for this week's show. I want to thank everybody that's been listening, supporting this, this podcast over the last several months. And, uh, it's, it's really awesome to see, uh, our numbers keep going up. How many people are listening to it? I don't know where everybody's at, but thank you for listening and supporting us. And, uh, and please, if you haven't yet, go online on any of your podcast platforms, like iTunes and stuff, and and uh, leave us a rating and review. We really appreciate it, and help us spread the word about the program, and and uh, to you know help us continue bringing some great guests on the show. And and uh, we've still got a lot of a lot of people lined up to be on, and can't wait to to get those recorded and get them out to you guys. So. Um, but thanks, thanks again from the bottom of my heart. I appreciate it. And uh, hope you continue to enjoy and, and listen along as we uh, keep providing some good outdoor content. So with that, I hope everybody's still doing well, even though we're still struggling with this COVID-19. And um, praying for everybody's families and stuff as the school year is starting back up. I know it's, it's uh, going to be a struggle for a lot of people. And um, we're going through it too with our family and, and um I just know that we're going to get through this and uh, everything's going to turn out okay. So with that, hope everybody's good and we will see you on the next episode. Thanks. Head offshore with Captain Scott Walker and Steve Roger for breathtaking deep sea adventures. Coming to me, coming to me, coming to me. Double. He's jumping, he's jumping, he's jumping. Oh! oh. Look at Ooh. that belly. Don't miss Mondays with Into the Blue. Brought to you by Academy Sports and Outdoors from 7 to 10 p.m. Eastern. Tell a few fish stories along the way. On Waypoint TV, the destination for outdoor entertainment. A life that has the stories to back it. A life to be proud of. It's a Winchester life. Yeah, baby. 6-8 Western. Oh, I'll be over there, baby. Right there. Tune in every Tuesday at 7 p.m. Eastern on Waypoint TV.